0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. My wife always tells me, Don't say everything that you're thinking. Um, But uh, I thought as they were, I always think about the future being bright here at the church. You know, we got so many of the young kids and everything, and uh, they brought up with those sunglasses, and I thought, Man, the future's so bright they had to wear shades. But anyway, uh, Romans uh, chapter number 6 this morning, pray for me Ralph, Uh, Romans chapter number 6 this morning, I want to preach on the topic today, on a baptism that transforms, a baptism that transforms. Um, Am I sounding extra loud to anybody else, because I'm going to be getting louder. Uh, All right, Nate's nodding his head, so get me, I don't know what's going on Back there, but uh, just get me, I don't know if it's the monitors turned up or what it is, but uh, a baptism that transforms because it's going to get in my head and I'm going to try to lower my voice, which may be a good thing. but in Romans chapter number six is where we're going to be today. Now, I was thinking about this, because we're leaning in, we're coming up on our baptism service, and if you have, uh, if you've followed the Lord as far as in faith, and you've trusted Christ as Savior, but you are yet to be baptized, uh, please see me, because we are having a baptism on June the 27th, so uh, you do need to follow the Lord in baptism, and as, as I was Thinking about kind of coupling this with last week's message, I preached last week about the Ethiopian eunuch who wanted to be baptized, uh, but he needed to believe first, and I'll refer to that in just a moment. But then I thought thought about preaching today on about baptism, and as I began to study, I started thinking about a baptism that transforms. Now, you may be surprised to learn that baptism is an exciting subject. Now, I don't know if you think about baptism as being an exciting subject or not, but it is. It's it's, it's an exciting subject, and it's one that your personal experience concerning baptism greatly affects. Now listen to me. Your personal experience concerning baptism greatly affects whether or not you live a successful life. It affects the person you become, and it affects where you will spend eternity. Got your attention? Now, what if I told you that uh, the baptism that I'm talking about, and I want you to hear this as loudly as the sweet baby was crying, amen? I want you to hear me as loudly as I can say it today. The baptism that I'm referring to, at least here at first, has nothing, with all caps, bold print, nothing to do with Water. I'm talking about a baptism that transforms, has nothing to do with water. Now, how many of you ever imagine, now you say, well, I've heard of sprinkling, and uh, I've heard of pouring, and I've heard of, I've heard of different sorts of water used in bath, but I've never heard of a baptism without water. Well, folks, that's the one that really counts. That's the one that really matters, uh, and, and you say well, well how can there be a baptism without water well I got to tell you I'm really glad you asked today because that's what I'm going to try to answer just for a moment that uh, there's there's an important kind of baptism and we learn about it in first corinthians chapter 12 verse 13 where the bible says first corinthians 12:13 for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been made all to drink into one spirit. I'll emphasize again, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Folks, this baptism, the verse I just read to you, has nothing to do with water, but it's referring to baptism. It's referring to spirit baptism. It's referring to a baptism that's by faith. Spirit baptism is a spiritual reality. Now you may be surprised to learn that roughly 25% of the times you read the word baptism in some form or the other in the New Testament, 25% of those times have nothing to do with water. 25% of the time the word baptism is used it is not referring to a method of baptism as far as a, a water type of baptism. And uh, I did the math, you can check, but that's about right. I believe it's 18 out of 74 times, 18 out of 74 times if I remember correctly, that the word baptism is, is referring to either spirit baptism or something deeper with the meaning. In other words, it's referring to the meaning of baptism rather than the method of baptism. And I want to get that, say that again. One out of four times the Bible talks about baptism, it's talking about the meaning of baptism, not the method of baptism. So I, I, I want to make sure that I'm not confusing up here today as I'll talk about this, but without any further ado, let's get into Romans chapter number 6 and read verses 3 through 5. Romans chapter number 6, verses 3 through 5. The Bible says, Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also... We shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Now, have you ever seen that image of a blacksmith making a sword? Or maybe some sort of instrument, but just for a singular purpose? Let's focus on the sword for a minute. He he heats up that metal. He heats up that metal, that, that iron, and, and, it, and it's red. And he's, he's pounding and He's molding it and He's shaping it. At, at this time, it's pliable. He's making this sword and He's working this sword over. But then finally, what does He do when He's done with that fire and with the pounding and with the marking and the molding? What does He do then? Puts it into the water. He plunges it into that water. You know what He does? He baptizes it. He baptizes it. That heated metal goes in and then that's when its identity is changed. Because and and that that word identity, mark that down, okay? Identity. Because there's two things we learn because I'm telling you the way the word baptizo was used in, 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 in Greek culture. When the New Testament was written, when people heard that word, this is one of the images that would have automatically come to their minds. They would have just thought, oh yeah, I've seen that before. See, that, that sword is not really much of a sword until it's tempered. Until it goes into that water. Until it is transformed. Until it is changed. That's when you pull it back out. Now you have, you have the makings of an actual sword. Before that, you're not going to have much of a sword. If you go try to go to battle with it before it's tempered. It's transformed, so it's, it's, its identity is really changed when it's tempered and goes into that water. But another thing about it, two things about the, word, the meaning of the word baptizo, and when I say the meaning of that word, baptizo is a transliteration. How many of you speak another language? A couple of you do, I know. Uh, it's interesting, I, I, I enjoy, you ever think it's funny if you ever hear somebody speaking another language? Sometimes, we were riding down the road the other day, and somebody was listening, just jamming out to mariachi music, and uh, and, uh, and, and I, I just said something to Natalie. I was like, man, I said, do you ever just want to jam out to mariachi music? She was like, yeah, I do. She said, what's the show? I said, I think it's ninety-seven-one. So we, we turned it over there and turned it over to mariachi. But uh, they weren't singing at the time. They were just talking. But it's funny when you hear someone talking another language because it'll just be like, you know, it'll be, for instance, uh, uh, you know, something you don't understand, George Bush, blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm talking about? In other words, they don't translate George Bush. They just transliterate it, so sometimes it'll sound, maybe more depending on the language, it'll sound like that language has that accent with it, but really it's just a transliterated word. They don't translate it, they just take the words uh, from English and say it along with their language, and that's the the way the word baptizo is. The word baptizo in our New Testament was never actually translated. Had the word baptizo been translated, it probably would have been translated in a couple different ways. Number one, it would have been translated immerse, because that's one of the things it means. Another thing it would have uh, been translated as is identity, or identify, if it had been translated, because that's what the word means. But instead it was transliterated. And so the, the Greek word is baptizo, but instead of putting baptizo, that doesn't sound very English, so let's call it baptism instead. Uh, but it's the same word. So that word was used in Greek culture. They recognized what it meant, and it was used to show identity, and it was used also and known to be immersion. See, baptism means... Now listen, if you're still on water, please forget about it, even though I just talked about the the tempering of the water. That comes into play later, but we're still not talking about water baptism. Okay? The meaning of baptism means a change of identity. Or to identify. The word baptism is a transliteration, I just told you there. It's used for when a Greek, in the Greek, for a blacksmith who dips a piece of hot iron in water, tempering it. It's also used in uh, that of a clothing maker, dipping a garment into water to dye it. Now think about that. A white cloth is put into dye, it is immersed. Into the purple dye. But not only, But once it's immersed into that purple dye, it's not just a garment that is in purple dye. What's going to happen to that white garment once that garment's in that purple dye? The purple dye gets in the garment and gets in the cloth. And when you bring it out, you've got something and it has a different identity now. And especially in the ancient times, if we're talking purple, that was a rare dye, so therefore it would have been something very valuable now. But it changes its identity. So, as illustrated in these two examples, the definition of the word baptizo is understood to be, listen to this, the introduction or placing of a person or thing into a new environment or into union with someone else as to alter its condition or its relationship to its previous environment or condition. So baptism, the kind of baptism I'm referring to at the moment, refers to the act of God introducing a believing sinner into vital union with Jesus Christ in order that that believer might have the power of his sinful nature broken and the divine nature implanted in his identification with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And I don't know if you followed all that or not, but what I'm just simply trying to say, look at these verses again, if you would. We're with, with trying to keep that in mind. Romans 6, verses 3 and 4, at least, at this moment. The Bible says, No, you not know, that so many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ, you are, water baptism, you do not get water baptized into Jesus Christ. How do you get baptized into Jesus Christ? We looked at it earlier. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit are y'all baptized, identified with Jesus Christ. Uh, we're baptized unto his death. Therefore, we are buried. With him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we we should walk in the newness of life. Go ahead and read verse five. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. So this altering, this alters the condition of the relationship of, that, uh, of the sinner with our previous state and environment and brings us into a new environment. That is to say, that the very moment you put your faith and trust in Christ, that very moment you were baptized by the Spirit into Christ. You were identified with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And really, even more than that, you were immediately identified with Christ. So when you're saved, the reason that we're changed from the inside out is that we don't just go and say, hey, I want to become a Christian. I think I'm going to go get baptized as we think about it. That, all that does is get you wet, right? Really. But when we trust Christ by faith, baptism is, we don't call it this a lot of times, but baptism is where the change takes place. The change takes place because like the garment, we're put into Christ, and when we're put into Christ, spiritually speaking, guess what? Christ gets in us too. Amen. And just like that, just like that blacksmith that is working on that iron and working uh, to make it into something, it's God's working on us trying to bring us to the point to where he can change our identity and we're put into Christ and we're changed. Now, And I'll just give you a couple of other examples here. Colossians 2.12, the Bible says that we are buried with Him in baptism. Colossians 2.12, we are buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead. The Bible's reiterating that when Jesus died, you died. When Jesus was buried, you were buried. When Jesus rose again, you rose again in Him. It's our identification with Him. Look at verse 5 again. The Bible says here in Romans chapter 6, verse 5, For if we've been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. This is kind of a cool thing. The word planted right there means to be united together. Listen to this. The word planted means to be united together. The word planted means to be grafted in. Grafted in. Romans, uh, later on in the book of Romans, I believe it's chapter number 11, talks about how that we were grafted in. And, and you remember what Jesus said in John 15? He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. See, faith in Christ, we don't think of it in these terms, but really, we were identified. See, the wages of sin is death. Jesus paid that death. When we accept Christ by faith, we are accepting the fact that Our death has been died already because we died with Christ. He was buried. The Bible says we're buried with Him. We're raised with Him. He said, I don't understand all that. Well, I don't understand it all that great either, but I know it to be true. Amen? And I know some other things about it. That since uh, I have been baptized into Christ, that also means that there's been a change. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit identifies every born-again believer with the Lord Jesus Christ in every phase of His eternal work and life. The Bible says over in 1 John, it's a verse that we were dealing with several weeks ago in Sunday school. The Bible says in 1 John chapter number 4, as He is, Jesus Christ, as Jesus Christ is, so are we in this world. Why do I stand just before God today? It's not because I'm trying to give a, live a good life. It's not because I turned over a new leaf. Uh, it's, it's the reason I have a relationship with God, the reason that I know I'm going to spend eternity with Him has nothing to do with all that. It's because I'm trusting in what He's already done. I'm in Him. And when God looks at me, and, and when He looks at us today, He doesn't look and say, well, that one's good, and this one's better, and that one's not so great. Uh, this one's kind of earning heaven. See, there's, there's a dividing line, people. You're either saved or you're not, which, which is a way of saying this. Spiritually speaking, we don't use the terminology that much, but you're either baptized or you're not. You're either identified with Christ or you're not. Which is just simply to say this, when God looks across this congregation this morning, He sees two types of people in in context of what I'm saying. He sees people who are in Christ, that when He looks at you, He sees Christ. And then He sees people that when He looks at you, He still sees the sin. He loves you, but you're either in Christ or you're not. The only way way we can be right with God is if we are in Christ. If we have accepted that which He has done for us. So, uh, in, in both of the illustrations he uses here, baptized with him, planted with him, uh, or uh, yeah, yeah, planted with him, and grafted with him. In both these illustrations, the, the the meaning is to convey the remarkable truth that Christ's death was our death, his burial was our burial, his resurrection was our resurrection. He. Kn- Spirit baptized. Spirit baptized. You, in other words, you got to be saved first. But the other thing is this. The other thing is that not only do you have to believe first, the other thing is pouring or sprinkling in, I mean, just to make it real clear, it's not baptism. You know, we can call, call it what we want to call it, but the truth of the matter is the word literally means immersion. I mean again I told you if we were to translate it would be a translated as identification, but it would also be translated as immersion. That's what it is. Now think about the illustration. First, the believing the believer now takes his stand in the water. Water is an element that is foreign to our nature as far as living in the water. Okay, so a, a believer takes his stand in the water, an element foreign to his nature, and which spells death to him as a natural man. He is then immersed into this element of death. He's put right out of sight as if he were buried. And then he is brought up from the watery grave by the strong arm of someone else. Amen. That's the picture. The power. He, he then lives on publicly identified with Christ through the act of obedience. The meaning of baptism, number one, is identification and immersion. That's what it means. But the method of baptism, therefore, is immersion. Um, and there, the Bible clearly teaches that. I mean, again, again, why did Jesus travel all the way to get baptized by John? You know what, it, it, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says because there was much water there. That's what it says. Because they needed much water. Therefore, they followed the Lord in baptism. Now, understand this. Just in case you miss it. I have transitioned from the part of salvation now, okay? Because when we talk about trusting Christ as your Savior, we don't don't say it this way. We'll probably never say it this way. At least I'll probably never say it this way. You need to be baptized into Christ. Have you been baptized into Christ? You'll probably never hear me just start using that terminology. I use terminology, have you put your faith in Christ? Have you trusted Him as your Savior? Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Whatever. But if you've been any of those things, you've been baptized into Christ because it's all the same thing. But water baptism is is, is just symbolic of that. It's a symbol. But but it is an act of obedience as well. But so it is uh, by immersion. I want to say a couple things about it here quickly. Number one, I want to say about baptism. Baptism is an enduring commission. Enduring commission, Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19, he said, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So baptism is an enduring commission. Number two, baptism is an earnest demonstration. Again, a demonstration, not salvation. Uh, But it demonstrates a couple things. It demonstrates that you have put your faith in the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. But you are also publicly saying, I am in my identification with Christ. I am dying to my old life. I'm putting my old life behind me, and I'm walking in newness of life. I'm committed to live my life for Christ. But there's another side of baptism. Now, there's, there's exceptions to this. Uh, Acts chapter number 8 that we, or, that we preached of last week is an exception. The Ethiopian eunuch was baptized, but we don't know that he was joined to a particular church. He went on to Ethiopia. And we know that that uh, that uh, Ethiopia was uh, influenced by Christianity early on, no doubt through this man. But he didn't; he wasn't baptized, and then started going to that church in Antioch. He didn't. But for the most part, Acts chapter two, verse forty-one says, "Then they that gladly received his word were baptized." And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and breaking of bread and in prayers. So what happened? The people heard the word of God. They trusted Christ. Then what happened? They were baptized, and then they were added to the church at Jerusalem. They became members. They joined that church. And they continued with them. And so baptism is an outward symbol of our faith, It's a symbol of our commitment to Christ, but it's also a symbol of our commitment to his local church. So it's an enduring commission. It's an earnest demonstration. And then lastly, and this gives the last point, there's an essential precondition. Last week we looked in the book of Acts, chapter number 8. That Ethiopian eunuch was interested in being baptized. And he asked the question, he says, what doth hinder me to be baptized? I would like to be baptized. And he said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Folks, that's the must of baptism. Now, as I close today, I'd like to give you a, uh, just an just a illustration. And this is closing. I want you to imagine with me, uh, we, we, we had several people that graduated uh, within the last couple of weeks. Moore's going to be graduating next year. We have some juniors. But I want you to imagine an area, a scenario that in a certain region of a country within our population, there is a, uh, much like ours, there's, there's this area, there's this whole region of our culture that they encourage their kids to graduate from school. So your nephew has graduated from this region over here where, just like us, they encourage their kids to graduate from school. You travel to see your nephew as he graduates He walks the aisle proudly in his cap and gown. He walks on the stage and receives some sort of a diploma. Uh, I mean, you know, there's the pomp and the circumstance and it's just a beautiful ceremony and the whole thing. They have the big reception afterwards and it's all great. But during the reception, you happen to ask your nephew, so uh, what was your favorite class in school? And your nephew just gives you a blank stare. Class? School? Class? Yeah, yeah, you know, class, what was your, what was your favorite subject? I mean, you've been, you've been studying for the last 12 years. What was the favorite thing? And, and your nephew just says, oh, well, well we, I, I never took a class. No, I, I never actually went, attended any classes. <laughs> uh, I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, a culture where kids no longer actually attended classes, but at the age of 18, I guess it's time. He's 18 years old. We need to have a ceremony. Let's get the cap and gown. Let's take the pictures and send out the invitations. We're going to have a graduation ceremony. But there's only one problem. These kids aren't going to school. They're not completing anything they're not getting any grades all they're doing is having this ceremony when they turn 18 to celebrate graduation he say well that's an idiotic illustration well it may be but i'm trying to say that's exactly what goes on now what's going to happen what's going to happen when that nephew of yours goes and uh, you know starts applying to colleges and that college says, well, uh, we need to see your transcripts. Transcripts? I, well, I graduated. I graduated. Well, what were your grades? Grades? No, I, I graduated. I wore the cap and gown. I did the ceremony. He goes to apply for a job that requires a diploma. Well, uh, so, so what did you study in school? And he asked the question again. Well, I didn't go to school, but I graduated. Again, just bear with me. I'm trying to get through the end of this dumb illustration. But what I'm just simply trying to say is this, he may argue that he graduated, but the truth is that the ceremony is held for in recognizing something that, he, that has already taken place. Now here's the thing, Christian just graduated, McKenzie just graduated. What if you would have missed that ceremony, Mackenzie? What if you would have missed your ceremony, Christian? What if you did not have that cap and gown? What if you had not, uh, you know, uh, walked down to the music and stood up there and did the reception and the whole thing? Would you have still graduated? Absolutely. That's just a ceremony. It's something recognizing something else that's already taken place. But we live in a world where now that's backwards. Again... You don't, you don't skip school. You don't skip 12 years of school and graduate and say, I'm a graduate because I wore the cap and gown. After that long, long story, I'm just simply trying to say, there's a lot of people who get baptized. And they say, oh, man, well, when did you accept Christ? Christ? Accept? Oh, no, I just joined the church. Or I was, I was sprinkled as an infant or poured on as an infant. I'll say this, if you have trusted Christ and you have not followed the Lord in baptism, you need to follow the Lord in baptism. He said, no, oh, preacher, I'm good. I was, I was baptized when I was a baby. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. You were sprinkled when you were a baby. But even if you were immersed, and by the way, um, even the Catholic church, you know, they're the ones that started making baptism a thing of, to where it was actually salvation. But you know, for a long time, because they knew that baptism was immersion, that for, for centuries they baptized, literally baptized as well, babies, there, there, was, there were quite a few drownings, and they began to move away from the practice uh, and make it sprinkling and pouring and whatever else. But the point is, as everybody used to know that it meant to immerse. The point is simply this. If you've trusted Christ and have not been baptized since you've trusted Christ, you need to follow the Lord in baptism. Amen? We're having baptism on the 27th. There's an opportunity for that. Um, but... Make sure, no matter what culture may be confused or think, you can, you can go do a graduation ceremony all you want to. I could have come, stood in line there with McKenzie. I could have snuck in, put on the cap and gown, walked right down the aisle, you know. They wouldn't have called my name, but I could act like I was somebody else, you know. And uh, went up there and just had a good old time. But the problem is, is I didn't actually do any work. I didn't do anything to get a degree. There was nothing... That all that, that, that ceremony was was to show and appreciate and to celebrate something that had been worked on, something that had already been previously done, and that's what baptism really is. You can be baptized um, and not be saved, but you can be saved without being baptized. The thief on the cross was baptized, but that doesn't take away the importance of baptism. If you have the opportunity, many don't, to be baptized. Many don't. But if you do have the opportunity to follow the Lord in baptism, You should. You should, but the first question is, as we all stand and Danny comes, have you trusted Christ as Savior? Do you know the Lord as your Savior today? Have you been baptized into Christ? Have you put your faith and trust in Him? Well, I've been baptized, well, congratulations. Congratulations. But when you stand before God, he's going to say, yeah, but have you been born again? He's not because he knows. But you understand the point. You're going to stand before God one day, and he's not interested if you celebrated something. He wants to know, have you put your faith and trust in him? Have you? Do you know Christ is your Savior today? Are you in him? Hallelujah if you are. Have you followed the Lord in baptism? If not, I encourage you to do so. Amen. It's it's, it's one of the first steps of obedience that we have as a Christian. Are you saved today? If you're not, Jesus wants to save you. He died to save you. Have you followed the Lord in believers' Bible baptism? If not, He wants you to do that as well today. Not today, but perhaps on the 27th. Heavenly Father, you know hearts here today. And I just pray, God, that you would touch hearts. Work in lives accordingly. I did my feeble best, but Lord, it's not about my wisdom or my strength or my ability to speak or not to speak. It's about your word and it's about your spirit. God, and I pray that you will work through your word and through the spirit of God and make the words I said impact someone's life, everyone's life here today. Someone here not saved, I pray they'll get saved today. Someone that is saved, Lord, I pray, dear God, that if they haven't followed the Lord in baptism, that they will do so that they'll do so. Lord, would you please just work on hearts. Why don't we sing a stanza of that song? If God's worked on your heart in any way, listen, this altar's open. I have decided to follow Jesus. What page is that?